0: Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere, to take great pride in their role, and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good to have you with me. I'm really excited today. My guest is Lenora Edwards. We've had Lenora on the program before, talking about speech pathology. And helping dads connect with their children and resolve some of the issues with not only speech, but swallowing difficulties and other things. And that was a great episode. But I have her back on here again to talk about other things, things that are related more to emotional regulation, getting yourself calm and dealing with your anxiety. Lenora Edwards has her master's degree and is a licensed speech pathologist. And also, she's a success coach and teacher. So, Lenora, thank you so much for coming on the Fatherhood Challenge.
1: Thank you so much for having me again, Jonathan. I'm so excited to be here with you and to have this incredible conversation about emotions and fatherhood and the challenges that men face.
0: One of your passions is helping to overcome distress and anxiety with real techniques that anyone can try. What is the story how of how this became your passion?
1: Oh, I actually started this a number of years ago, so I've actually been studying this information, this knowledge, these techniques and technologies that we have, and the ones that I've been become trained to implement for over 15 years. And the reason it came about was because I was struggling with a variety of things that were going on in my life. And I wasn't satisfied with the answer of, that's just how it is. I wasn't satisfied with these, these thoughts that I wasn't good enough, that this is all there is and, and there's nothing that you can do about it or you're not worthy or deserving. So it really began from this own internal desire to, to have more answers and intuitively knowing that there was more. I just didn't have that information.
0: Yes. And the experiential part of it is definitely something I can relate to because I'm right on that generational bridge with uh, being a Gen Xer and (laughs) being raised by boomer parents where that was definitely the attitude. And this was a really good conversation we were having just before we, we started this episode. And that is that the generation, it was a, just kind of like a suck it up gen- generation. And Gen Xers are known as the latchkey kid generations. So in one sense, we kind of raised ourselves, parented ourselves, and uh we if we regulated at all we just self-regulated and uh in whatever way we could find in whatever was around us
1: mhm very much so and i am actually um so i'm slightly missing the gen x component but i agree like my parents were were boomers and even growing up there was that shift so i was born in 85 and there was that shift of time where suck it up and, and don't cry. And you know, you're going to have to deal with it. And there wasn't the information that we now know on how to properly and safely manage your emotions and that it's okay to have rage and it's okay to let it out in a very healthy way, or it's okay to be sad and to cry and to let it out in a very healthy, supportive way. So I'm, I'm extremely passionate about this, (laughs) this kind of work.
0: More dads than ever have been awakening to the idea of caring for themselves. What can happen to dads who ignore this and just suck it up? Like we talked about, how does this affect them and how does it affect their family?
1: Have you ever been um, cut off in traffic? Do you remember when you were first driving and somebody cut you off in traffic?
0: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was that first time and you're like, oh, my gosh. And your system took that information and it said, "Okay, we survived. We know how to react. Now, when you get cut off in traffic, especially if you've been driving for some 15, 20 years, what happens is you may notice, oh, why did he cut me off? And all of a sudden, this outburst of how dare they cut you off, what happens in the nervous system is it has filed that one event and all the associated events with it. So when that one person 15 years later cuts you off, it's not that one time that is being released and processed in your system. It is all those times before that because your nervous system will store information and stack it accordingly. So that's why you can go from zero to 60 and be so aggravated that that person cut you off. It's not just that person. It's all of the people that have ever cut you off in your life and anything associated with that. So when we start to lose our temper or especially with with our children, it's not the one time that they weren't listening or the one time that you asked them to do something. It was all of those times that are associated with that event, which is why we can get angry so much faster or why we have these emotional rushes so much faster. And what happens is they start to intensify as they get stacked on top of each other. So what happens when we don't properly release these emotions or we don't properly understand them or whether we communicate them with a therapist or hypnosis or our own form of processing that energy, whether it be exercise or a conversation, when we don't process it, it gets stored in the system and continues to stack on top of itself. And it will manifest in other ways, such as being incredibly short-tempered or having habits that don't serve you, especially when you're frustrated and you can't let this anger out, you might start overeating. You might start doing other habits and scenarios that aren't really effective for you, even though you know better, but you're suppressing these feelings that need to be processed.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Uh, A lot of guys go to all kinds of things and the most popular, one of the most popular ways for dealing with anxiety and stress is alcoholism. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's so easy to just go and grab that beer or go to the bar and just let it out there.
1: Very much so.
0: And you justify that. A lot of guys will justify that by just saying, well, listen, it's a lot healthier for me to deal with it there and deal with it in that way. I I could just be going and yelling at somebody, or I could be knocking somebody's lights out Mm -hmm. or getting into trouble some other way, but I'm offsetting this way.
1: Mm -hmm. Very much so. And especially if, you know, if we go back and we look at the things that we had seen growing up, if we had seen somebody using alcohol, if we had seen somebody hitting somebody, if we had seen somebody overeating or not coming home, these are things that as children we learn as coping mechanisms as ways to oh a plus b equals c this is what they did this is what i do too they start to have this association on another level that that's how they coped and sometimes you might hear outbursts like you know if somebody's getting knocked around this is because um you made me do this to you it's because they don't know how to process that emotion or if they go to alcohol They don't know how to process that emotion and that's okay, but recognizing it and working with somebody or working with yourself to process that and understand what are the reasons you're doing it? These are the symptoms. What's the cause? We might not always know the cause, especially if we're turning to other things to stifle these urges, whether it be to process our anger or because we're not being shown the affection that we want to be shown and that we want to feel. They're very human things that we feel and that, we go on, that go on within our body. And if we don't recognize them, they show up as symptoms in other ways, like you said, going to the bar.
0: It's really interesting because a lot of the coping mechanisms that we are looking for to try to alleviate or take the edge off of whatever stress or anxiety is going on in our life And so that can sometimes go down the rabbit hole of pornography to alleviate that need. It might take the edge off at that very, very moment, but you're not really solving anything. You're not really coming up with an actual effective coping strategy that's going to deal with you right now. And it's not going to lead you down to something that you're going to regret five, 10 years down the road.
1: Very much so. Very much. I actually have. So I work with people one on one. And one of my clients was saying to me, um, they felt very frustrated because they would go zero to 90 uh, with their children. And they had two young boys and he, he openly shared with me, that's not the kind of dad I want to be. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to, to, to resolve this. And I've learned a number of techniques and, and especially with the therapy that I I do is what I like to refer to as non-disclosure. So they don't have to tell me specific circumstances that's going on. What I had my client do was tell me where you're feeling it. Notice this component of it. Notice this energy that you're feeling. And to, well, I walk them through a number of processes to literally vent it from the system, to get it out of the system, out of their nervous system and to release would no longer serve them, but to also understand that this burst of energy, whether it be in form of anger, that there is a reason for it, and that it's okay, keep the lessons, whatever is associated with it, especially when you're communicating with the subconscious, it's serving you. So alcohol, when somebody's turning to alcohol, it's serving them. It is there for a purpose, even though we know, excessive drinking might not be in my healthiest behavior or overeating. It might not be my healthiest behavior, but it is there for a reason. When you are able to have your subconscious understand, I got the lessons. I can let the rest of this go. What you're actually doing is you're releasing that energy that does not serve you from the system. And you will actually have a resolve of what was going on, what was driving that reason that you went for alcohol or driving that reason that you went from zero to 90. And I checked back in with my client a couple days later, and I said, how are you doing? And he, he said to me, you would not believe the changes that I've experienced. I've had such a powerful shift. And now when my children are acting up, I'm able to be the father and I'm able to respond the way that I want and that's where so much power lies, because now we're able to model the behavior that we want for ourselves, but also for our children. And to be able to say, this is how we understand our anger. I don't have to have this zero to 60 component. And also I understand little guy, you're upset. Come talk to me. You have that emotional ability to regulate yourself and them. It's incredibly powerful. Once, once you really start to honor those emotions and to release what you no longer need.
0: Uh, When I was a kid, I had, I'm sure people were doing therapy, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't hear anything about it. I just, it just wasn't on my radar until I became an adult. Mm -hmm. So how has the culture of previous generations influenced the way dads deal with their stress and anxiety? And how does that even compare with today?
1: I think what we're hopefully starting to see is that, when people go for therapy, when people go to talk to somebody, when people go to to have conversations about the way that they're experiencing life and how they're feeling, we're starting to see a shift where it's much more understandable and people are much more accepting. Before, there was this really big stigma that, oh, you have to go for therapy? like It was a very hush-hush thing that you didn't talk about.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Very much so. Now what we're starting to see is people are saying, Oh, great. If that works for you, awesome. And the great thing with technology is that there are so many things out there. And to find what you like, especially when it comes to um, the the community, sometimes it gets labeled as self-help community. And there's not a really strong, there's kind of like this negative tone to it, where truly I am working to rebrand it entirely to help yourself to help yourself. There's a smorgasbord, this amazing buffet of information on how to how to deal with emotions, how to deal with your, your, your mental mindset. There's so much information out there that wasn't there in the 70s and the 80s as easily accessible as it is today. There are so many components and it's way more than a nice smelling candle and a bubble bath. Yeah, it might be there, but it mm-hmm. might also be in changing your habits and really looking to, to become the person that you want to be. And it's not about getting to that person. It's about the journey, who you become on the way to being who you want to be and how you want to show up in this world and how you want to show up in the lives of your children. I really encourage what I, I call, and I don't think I coined this term, so I just picked it up somewhere, but I, I, Love the process of it. It's called a pause, or at least I call it a pause and pivot. When you can recognize in that moment of emotional intensity, you can start to feel the emotions rising, whether you're you're at work and you're just stressed out or your kids are starting to really press your buttons. When you can start to feel those emotions coming on, pause, take a breath, take a number of breaths, especially when you do too quick two breaths in. So you do a long inhale in and then one more extra inhale and then release it. What that does is that will help get oxygen to your system and it allow you to pause and pivot. And when you pivot, you get the choice to choose. I can hands down, lose my temper and go zero to 90. But when I get to pause and pivot, I get to choose again and say, you know what? That's not how I want to show up right now. What do I need to do? How do I want to show up? And it lets you really think about how and gives yourself that few moments to process what you want that outcome to be. Do you want to have a screaming match with your child? Do you want to have a screaming match with your spouse? Or do you want to pause, allow yourself to get that breath and pivot? What do I want my outcome to be? Well, I certainly don't want to fight. So how can I not get in a fight right now? especially when the emotions are running high, I often encourage people to change their posture. So if you're slouched over or if you're sitting down, I encourage people to stand so that they can get a strong, a strong posture, a strong back and change your breathing. So change your posture, change your breathing. Then, especially when those emotions are running high, control your voice. The more you can speak softly, softly, more you can slow down your words. What you actually do in that moment is you override by choice, your emotional, your nervous system, and you override these emotions. They do take a a few moments of practice, um, in that, in that intensity. And this definitely is an art to practice, but what you're doing is you're getting control over your nervous system and you're running the emotion rather than the emotion running you change your posture, change your breathing, change your tone of voice, because that will allow you to gain control and choose your words more carefully. Because in that moment, just simply remember, pause and pivot. If you remember nothing else, pause and pivot. You'll start to remember, okay, I need a breath. Let me readjust. Let me choose again. And that can be incredibly powerful, especially once that disagreement is over with, or once that moment of stress has passed, you get to look back and reflect and say, "I really, I, I really like how I, I chose again. I really am happy with the fact that I was able to manage my emotions and not let them run the show."
0: What is happening is an unblending from the situation. So okay. you're so emotionally wrapped up in what's happening in the moment, and all okay. you want to do is react. And so this is. Purpose, this is being purposeful and mindful about the fact that we are that blended, and it's taking time to separate from what's happening at that moment and think about what you want the outcome to be.
1: Very much so. I believe it was Les Brown, and he said, You have to learn to contain your emotions. You have to manage your emotions because if you don't, they will use you. So this is absolutely an art of managing your emotions, an art of self-discipline, a daily practice. But what happens the more you practice this? Neurons that wire together, fire together. The more you practice this, you're going to start having a catalog, a catalog of files in your mind and body that start to build up that says, this is the new program that I run. I don't have to run this zero to 90 program anymore. I get to choose and I get to run the program that lets me stand there and have the conversation that I want to have in the way that I want to show up and the way that I want to be and it makes a huge difference because I, a lot of my clients will tell me I don't lose my temper anymore I've found that I'm actually able to control my emotions and to process them and to to have that power in that moment, especially when you lose control, you lose control. It's a loss of power. And even though you might feel like you're in control because you're screaming and you're winning the fight, what happens is it's a loss of control, the emotion. That's not where the power lies. The power lies in you choosing how you wanted to achieve the outcome that you wanted. And it really is an art. I mean, especially when we We wash our clothes on a very frequent basis. We brush our teeth on a basis. We take a shower on a basis, on a very frequent basis. These, we don't call them practices. We don't call them arts, but they are daily disciplines. And this is the same thing. It's a daily discipline. I brush my teeth every day. I make sure that I choose how I'm showing up because it's a daily discipline that I feel is worth my time in investing so that I don't have to look back on the disagreements that I've had in my family and think, man, I'm just known to be losing my temper. That's not how I want to show up. So that's why I make it the art and the discipline of practicing every day.
0: So daily hygiene wasn't something that was instinctive growing up. It was something that was taught and it was something that was trained into a Mm -hmm. habit that you now do every single day without really giving it much thought. You just kind of do it. So is this how this works with these techniques?
1: Absolutely. We call them habits for a reason because it's not a once and done. I don't brush my teeth once and never have to wash them again. Or um, I don't take a shower once and I'm I'm good for the year. It's a daily discipline. And I love that you pointed out it's a habit. It's just simply a habit of pausing and choosing again, or a habit of saying, "You know what I want to I want to stand there and be the parent that I want to be, and I want my children to have very good memories of how I was in moments of stress because people don't remember all that you said, and when you' ch- when your children, they don't remember the words. This goes for pretty much all people. They might not remember the exact words, but they will always remember how you made them feel. So what are the memories that you want to be offering and bringing to your family and bringing to your children? I can can look back and say, okay, well, this person didn't make me feel really good. That's good to know. That shows me that when, when I have a memory that isn't one that I like, what it shows me is that this is something I don't like. So what do I like? What can I learn from that experience? And that then helps me cultivate more of how I want to show up in my family. If you resolve the conflict in that moment, what I would say, what exactly was the number of outcomes? So you might be saying, I want to make sure that I don't lose my temper. This is, this is something that did work for me. Or you know what? I tried that. Okay. Was it helpful? Was it not helpful? And also, what was the disagreement about? Was it about your child not listening? Like there's multiple factors that would go into, into that. So where which one are we looking at from that standpoint? So there might be five outcomes that you had wanted. I wanted to make sure my child understood me. I wanted to make sure that my child wasn't harmed. I want to make sure that my child knew that I was the parent in that moment. But I also want my child to know that they are loved. And I want my child to know that because they were having an outburst of emotion that I was hearing them, I was seeing them. So those are five different outcomes that may have been there in that moment of intensity. So I would say, look at which one you're wanting to and be able to evaluate from that standpoint of, did I achieve what I wanted? If I had, I had five questions right there, So if two of them were a yes, okay, then the technique is working for me. Awesome. What else could I do? And when you're reflecting on how you responded, uh, if I ask somebody, you know, what else could you have done? Like, I don't know. I'll ask, what else might you have done? So the only word that I had changed in that sentence, what else have you done? Or what else could you have done versus what else might you have done differently? By adding the word might, we take this very strict container of I don't know what I could have done differently and and looking for one answer. By adding the word might, we make this explosion of possibility and it allows our mind to look at things differently. And our mind is so incredibly complex and incredibly profoundly amazing We don't even know half the things that can actually be done. We're still establishing things that we can actually do with our brain. When we start to ask different questions, your brain is designed to seek different answers. The better the question, the better the answer. This is really where the Google came from. The better the question, the better the answer you get from Google. And, and I didn't go to public school and get taught this information. This is information that I actually purposefully studied because I didn't have the answers. But some people kept showing up with answers. and I'm like, well, why do they have answers? Why didn't I know how to manage my emotions? Why am I just getting so frustrated and slamming a door? It's because I didn't know how to process my emotions. I didn't understand why I was being so frustrated. I understood that people weren't listening to me in that moment. But what else was I doing? I took responsibility for my own actions and said, I I don't want to be the person that slams doors and kicks things all the time when I'm angry. What else am I missing? I must be missing something else because other people can process and be angry and not slam stuff. So in that own search of what are they doing differently that I'm not doing, I was able to model success. I was able to look outside of myself and learn from other teachers and other mentors. Other people are doing things differently, and that's a great thing. What can we learn?
0: How can dads get a hold of you and learn more about what you're doing or get help?
1: Dads can reach out to me at my website, DTBHorizons.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, so you can visit me there, but it's DTBHorizons.com. And if you guys have questions, simply email me or reach out to me on my website and I will absolutely do my very best to offer you as much guidance and as much support as possible.
0: And I'm going to make this as easy as possible for you to find as well. Mm -hmm. So if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com and you go to this episode, go to the episode description and look right below the description The link will be right there. You click on it, it'll take you right to the website. So Lenora, as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening right now?
1: My challenge to dads, I challenge you to show up the way that you want to show up so that when you look back on how you were a father, you can look back and smile and know that you really did do your very best with the tools, knowledge, and the energy that you
0: Well, Lenora, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. It's been an honor to have you with us once again. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me again, Jonathan. It was great talking to you, as always.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit
1: thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.